to the Race FF Podcast. I am your host, Simon Garcia. And today, guys, you know, in the whole title of Race FF, we have people who work with front front engine, front wheel drive cars. We have racers out there. But one of the things that I think we hardly ever take into consideration, I mean, everybody's had that conversation with themselves about, like, what would happen if we get into... Uh, an accident and we think about like well the car's going to be totaled or whatnot but what happens when it's not necessarily totaled what happens when it's like ah, i think i could fix it and being in this niche of road racing and you know trying to give something that you spent so much time and money with and um finding somebody who's going to take the care and just just the general knowledge of knowing that the person who's working on your race car knows that, hey, like, blob welds aren't going to be the best thing for this car, and I, I need this to be, like, a legit good job. We have a great example of that today here. And this, you know, I, I've been watching this guy's uh, YouTube video- videos for a while. Um, those that know me know that my past history with uh, working with body shops and used car dealerships. So when I see somebody who does really good work, I'm immediately impressed. And right now we have a, a pretty much a bona fide legend in my book, uh, <laughs> Vic from uh, Rebuild Rex. Thank you for coming on to the podcast, sir. It's great to hey, have buddy. you. No worries. Thanks for having me. So um, I know that some of the people that listen to this podcast watch your uh, videos too because we're just amazed that you could take an N.A. Miata and fix any type of wreck that it's been in. Right. <laughs> because uh, like, like everyone else, I'm, I'm a fan of those 90s cars that were, you know, basically little tin cans and you just make them look so good afterwards, man. I, I, I got nothing but respect for you. Thanks, man. We've had a lot of practice with the Miatas. They uh, they definitely <laughs> rubbing is racing in the spec Miatic world. Yeah, definitely. And I and I mean, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be a full on wheel to wheel car because I've seen you do cars that um, were um, just recently. I saw some of them that were insured with Haggerty, and knowing that you're in that um, have a relationship in in that you know that insurance uh provider and are able to work with them and do um the the process for making those repairs for those cars so that's really cool yeah thanks man so i have a background in working in a regular body shop where we did insurance work so Mm -hmm. i definitely have dealt with insurance companies in the past i they're not the easiest to work with but Mm -hmm. you know i i can if i need to so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah, having a uh, adjuster and then having to just take those extra steps kind of uh, would would be uh, cumbersome if you versus some guy showing up with like, hey, just make this good. So, right, right. Yeah. yeah, the majority of the racers are, are that way. They'll just say, hey, you know, they're they don't want you to go crazy with the budget, but they they say I, I need this done, and you tell them, give them a price, and they're okay with it, and then you move forward, and the car's finished. Whereas, like the insurance stuff, you'll have to you got to okay and then they've got to okay with the insurance company and then they got to get back and you have to order the parts and it just, it takes a little bit longer. It's not that big of a deal. It's Mm -hmm. just, it just prolongs everything. It's not, not bad. So like these, like 
many skills uh where you have like a trade which is auto body um I'm guessing you started it off as an apprentice and then worked your way up. Or what's the origins of your your story working in an uh, auto shop? So when I was a very young child, my father had a body shop. Oh, there and, we go. And that, so I've been around it for a lot. And there was a time where I was going to go to college. And I, I went to a little bit of college. But mm-hmm. my father dro- drove a truck as well as, a, as another career. Uh-huh. Um, those, those are the only two things I've ever known my father to do. And once he stopped driving the truck and got back into the body shop world, I became his apprentice and uh, basically was his helper for a few years. And then I went to the paint side and mm-hmm. became a, a painter's helper Okay. and then moved my way up to painter. And then I worked in production shops uh, as a, as a production painter for many years. And then basically my father and I, we decided to build a little shop by his house and we were going to build totals. And we did that for a few years. And then that kind of led into this race car gig we've got going on now. So it's, um, it's been a, it's been a fun ride actually. That's awesome, man. And much like you, people that know, uh, from, from my history, uh, I started off working on with my dad in, uh, auto body, uh, well, auto detailing, but we would, take apart the interiors, pressure wash the carpet, pressure wash the yeah. seats and get it all nice and clean for the used car dealerships. And then they would uh, resell it for like two or three grand higher. Right. And, um, you know, once you start like disassembling a car, you kind of get to know how the engineers and how the people who designed this cars uh, kind of tick. Like you give me a 91 or like any 90s Honda, and I could tell you pretty much where the bolts are going to be, what size they're going to be, and, hey, you know what, you need to do this or this to get this one out because if you don't do it that way, it's going to be a nightmare. So You're absolutely right. You're um, absolutely right. So, like, but that also, like, created a little bit of a gatekeeping thing for me because I really hated on working the – uh, on certain cars where you just looked at it and you're like, man, I want to have a word with the engineer who designed that. <laughs> so when... that's true. That's true. <laughs> I know you know what I'm talking about. I don't, I'm not going <laughs> to say who they are, but maybe, maybe the German engineers, maybe oh, overdo it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like we, and uh, again, talking a little bit of shop, but early nineties, uh, BMWs, we would never yes. clean the car carpets because it's like, It'll take us a day to disassemble the, the, the carpet. And right, right. I mean, for your average day driver, like, they don't care, but I could take the carpet out of a 90s Honda in, like, what, uh, 30 minutes? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just I'm need a say. 10, 12, and then a, a Phillips, and you're, we're good. BMW? Right, right. Like, oh, man, we're going with Torx bolts? Oh, I'm already upset. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, I agree. And then every different kind of size you can think of. And it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's just not ideal. <laughs> I can just say that. The, yeah. Not, when, <laughs> when you're taking it apart, you're like, you could have done it a different way. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know what they were thinking. Yes. I definitely have uh, cussed a few engineers uh, working <laughs> on some vehicles. So, Oh man. 
Uh, I I feel I feel the kinship between you and me and cutting our fingers on uh, non-deburred uh, edges that are just not yeah. that clean on certain cards. Looking at yes, you yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You'll get some stitches after working on an older Ford. So. Oh man! And wh why is it that they? It feels like they use cast iron for some of the rails and seats. I'm like, couldn't you find something heavier, man? Like, Jesus. <laughs> right. You don't have to go to the gym after you lift that seat up. Oh, so. man. Taking a bench seat out of a late 90s uh, Dodge, um, Dodge oh, Ram. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's a, that's a two or three person job. Oh man, and, and <laughs> the great thing is the Dodge made it so that the doors will not open past forty five degrees angles uh, on yep. those trucks. So, <laughs> so slide, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, and it's yes. one, dude. Man, you're my people, dude. Like I can't <laughs> tell you how. And this is why I was super excited, like to talk to you, because like you understand that struggle of like trying to lift, and you're like, damn it, I forgot yes, to yes. grab. You, yeah, you can't get the right angle and you're oh. smashing your fingers and it gets heavy after about 10 minutes of doing it. Yeah, I, oh. I feel your pain, man. I've oh, done it. I've man. been there. Oh, man. We, we could just talk about uh, the reverse <laughs> torques and torques bolts and uh, different sizes that they like to use. Oh, man. And you're not kidding me. So oh. I, I, I'm lucky in the respect that, that I've kind of – I only do specific types of vehicles right now. So yeah. I, I, it is a mix of Germans and mm -hmm. and uh, Japanese cars, but I don't I don't do a lot of American stuff right now. So yeah, I mean, I I, I just wonder the Loctite budget that Chevy had <laughs> in the '90s because it felt like they were trying to get rid of like barrels of that stuff because every bolt <laughs> I took out, I'm just like, why? Yeah, they didn't want it to come <laughs> loose for sure. They did oh, not. man. So tell me about like your when you were first starting off, like what was the cars that you liked to work on the most? So when I first started out, I was my father's helper. So I did a lot of the, the disassembly mm -hmm. and assembly. So I kind of feel your pain on that. Oh, I yeah. like the Japanese cars. I like the older Hondas. They seem like they were intuitive about how they came apart and mm -hmm. went together. Maybe that's because that's what I started doing first. And I just kind of learned it that way. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's, and honestly, still today, I've done some newer Hondas and they, as far as the way they're assembled, they're still pretty easy to work on. Mm -hmm. um, the metal and, and the way that they weld together is different. It's a, I don't think they build cars like they used to, as far as, I don't think they're built to be repaired. I think they try to make mm -hmm. them where they're harder to repair so they can just maybe total that car and get a new car maybe mm -hmm. they sell more cars that way but I, it's a it's just one of those things where i i don't know that i know there's ones i don't want to mess with mm -hmm. but i don't necessarily have a favorite as of right now but back then earlier earlier uh basically yeah early 90s hondas that's what i wanted to work on yeah i mean once you you get into a groove with a certain car like it it feels like and, and I mean, I, I do it with this car a lot, like taking out a seat on any of these cars. It, it's just like I'm in my sofa, like my in terms of my comfort level, like I right. already know. All right. Go to the rear seats, uh, rear bolts first. That way, when you slide it back, you can get the front seats and you don't have to mess with the rails when you take it out. Right. So you don't have to scratch the paint um, right. with an extended uh, rail out there. So, right. I, I mean, 
uh, yeah, and, you know, taking off a door card from, like, uh, mid-90s, uh, like, F-150 versus taking a door card on a mid-90s uh, Honda, it feels like you can translate that to all of the generations yeah. from that or all of the models from that one where on the Ford ones I felt like for me it was like each one of them was their own individual and you're yes. like yeah wow like even from passenger to driver's side door I'm like how where's the bolt yeah, where's that, the bolt <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that and I've always <laughs> felt like on the American stuff I was breaking clips and and, and dude and yes tearing stuff up so yes it's just one of those things where the Hondas just it, I, Japanese in general, the Japanese cars, even in the early nineties, just mm-hmm. really were easier to work on than most everything else. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could tell that like, um, maybe in terms of like the speed of assembly, like that, that if you were to go to an assembly line, like there is no way in my mind, like even with the, you know, robots or the, the assembly line stuff i'm like there's no way you're beating someone and putting an interior in a honda versus in a ford like just right. the, it, it it's just like and and it kind of gives you an appreciation for the way that they were engineered because you're like oh this was streamlined to go in and out as fast as possible where right. this one was clearly not i think maybe the fords and the american maze they might have been streamlined to go in easy oh okay yeah, but not come out very easy. Yeah, there so. we go. That's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. So, but. when you're moving from working um, under your dad, and I, I've I've worked under my dad, and I love the man. Um, you know, I'm I'm impressed with what he's been able to do with the very little schooling that he got. And like you, I also went to college, but I always worked with my hands and. Um, once you move from working under your dad to working with other com- customers, dealing with uh, customers that, for the first time, how how was that for you? I, it was actually a pretty easy transition. Um, I mean, I still work with my father today, to be honest with you. He's mm-hmm. he's, he's the one in the videos with uh, the OBD, the old dirty body oh, man. Oh, dude, I love that <laughs> segment. I love that. <laughs> right, so... He's the he's the uh, brain trust, I guess, when it comes to the frame machine and mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it. So, I still work with him today. He is, uh, I guess, you could say, a little older, a little uh, less patient with customers. So, <laughs> I, I um I deal specifically with all the customers and I handle all that, and it's it's been an easy transition for me. I I, I feel like uh, I get along with everybody pretty well. I'm pretty easygoing, mm-hmm. so it's a uh, I don't really have any issues with it so far. So, yeah, and I mean, it, it really comes off on your videos how easygoing you are. You you can definitely see the type of people and the temperament that they have. It, it's something that is kind of hard to hide, especially when you're starting out when you're not like <laughs> fluffing up. Um, right, right. But yeah, like you you could tell there because I've worked with people that are very short with people, and it's like, ah, man, like this person just wrecked their car. Like they're not in a good headspace for you to tell them like, take it or <laughs> right. leave it kind of scenarios. Right. Like, uh, you need a little bit more tact. Yes. Yes. And my, my father, bless his heart is, uh, <laughs> he's, um, he's not the best at that. Let's just say that. Oh man. Yeah. So. You, and you know, like that's one of the things that I have to give so much, um, like 
uh, respect from my dad because he's had uh, customers who've come in and come up with like some crazy requests. And I, yeah. I'm I'm sure you you've got stories of yes. these. Um, yeah. But like just the overall patience of dealing with customers with uh, just misinformation that they may get from pseudo experts, if you will, right. of right. what right. can and can't be done. Um, right. And I mean, being that I'm I'm talking to somebody who knows what they're what they're um, talking about, I've had people come to my dad and tell me like, oh, this just needs um, a polish. And it's like, no, yeah. you're not going to remove that amount of fish eyes with doing yeah. a quick buff. Like, right. This is a wet sand and polish and all this stuff. It's right. like, this is, this is a job that you have yeah. here. Like the, the Border, body. Man borderline. Is not, yeah. Yeah. Borderline. I have to repaint it. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've had that, and I mean, it's no fault of the customers. I mean, you can't be mad at somebody for not knowing what they don't know. Right, right. Yeah. No, so, I, I get that. I get that a lot, actually. So, it's um, it's I'm very more, I'm much more than my father, uh, tolerant of of people like that. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess we could say. But yeah, yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where I've had very few customers question like how long it's supposed to take and all that stuff. But sometimes they do, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, if you quote them a price, they're like, why is it, why does it pay so much time to do that? I'm like, well, you know, this, this, and this has to happen for that to be, to work. Mm-hmm. And they, well, I saw a YouTube video on it where the guy did it in like 15 minutes. And, you know, so it's, yeah. it's just a lot of misinformation, not necessarily misinformation, just misunderstanding, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we've all seen people, put a suction cup and then uh, pull out a dent and be like, Oh, it's perfect. It's like, Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 not, not quite. It looks like bacon, bro. Like it's not yeah. there. There's still a crease in there and there's yeah. still a dent, but yeah. it looks better. It, it looks better it, than absolutely it is. Absolutely better. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So For like sure. with working with racers, um, I'm sure that like, even though most racers are going to be very tolerant of like, um, certain prices for for things because they usually wrench on the cars i i imagine that timelines though are kind of like the tricky thing with racers because they they'll be like hey i have a race um competing for a championship or something like that yeah that's huge especially with the pro guys it's it's bad with the non-pro guys but the pro guys they've got to be at the next race there's Mm -hmm. no questions asked so i've got two cars in here right now that have got to be at the next race in uh, the eighth of well, like they're gonna race the eleventh of next month, so Woo. and they're they're pr- pretty hard hits and and it's gonna be close, but we're gonna we're gonna definitely do turn the hours and whatever we need to do to get the car done for them. So it's yeah, a, it's a what, couple global MX five Cup cars. Ooh. Those so. those things are so nice, man. Like I, I my fiance had the the ND Miata. They're nice. I mean, I'm really yeah. upset that they put Torx bolts on the seats that that really (laughs) did trigger me right right (laughs) i'm like flashback oh man like when i first saw that i was like what the like why would they do this like uh -uh. we're i'm 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 finding the thread pitch and uh length of this and i'm gonna get you changing it out to a freaking uh 12 mil uh yeah 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 yeah. like we're 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 gonna get done with this all right (laughs) right 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 
So they look cool. That's about it. I'm not a big fan of the torques. So no, it's just to me uh, a great way to strip something. Yeah, that you strip move, too easy. Yeah, that you are going to do multiple times. I don't know why. It, yeah. You think yeah. with more surface area, you would have better contact, but whatever. There's an engineering student who probably know better <laughs> than we do. <laughs> right, right, for sure. So, when was yep. it that you got your first uh, race car to actually work on? Or was it like a progression where you had somebody who had their regular car and then saw what you could do and then transferred it over? Like, take me well, back we, to the first one. The first race cars we started doing, we were building uh, totals back in the day, mm-hmm. and we were buying a lot of Hondas because, mm-hmm. like I said, I like to work on the Hondas. So we were buying late 90s. Um, we even started getting into, like, the 99 Civic SIs. Ooh. And, we did several of those, and then I got in with a guy who was building those for race cars, and we fixed a few of those for him as race cars. Mm-hmm. And then we got into the Spec Miata world with OPM. I don't know if you know okay. who they are. Tom Fowler is, is the owner's name. And we started doing work for him, and he he tells me that he tried to keep me a secret as long as he could because he knew once I got out that what, what we could do and how well we worked. <laughs> That we would just get covered up and then he would get left in the dust as far as <laughs> but i mean i still try to take care of him he's the one i came to the dance with basically so i try to you know try to dance who you came with so mm-hmm. we always try to take care of tom over there at opm but we have definitely got out there especially since the youtube channel i've i get a lot of people that reach out to me just based off of the youtube videos which i, I never planned on or i never thought it would it happened that way. I just started making YouTube videos because it was fun, honestly. Oh, that's so, so dope. Um, and, dude, uh, again, I am a subscriber. I watch every single one of your videos. <laughs> awesome. And, Thank you. And, you know, like, it, it takes a unique uh, type of person to really appreciate and put in the effort um, on those spec Miatas. Because I've even seen you do something that I don't see a lot of people do, which is uh, in the body shop world where they will use uh, used OEM like panels and whatnot right, right. Um, to kind of keep the cost down. And when I heard right. you say that, I'm just like, bro, you like, damn, like that's so much more effort because sometimes, especially on those old cars, we're, we're talking about things that are over 30 years old uh, right. at times. And that metal's been it's... vibrating and shaking. It's, it's never going to be like perfectly aligned. So. Right, it's definitely a, it's a lot more work when you do it that way, but mm-hmm. it, it, sometimes you just have to. Honestly, some of these older uh, Mazdas are getting to where the mm-hmm. OEM parts are, aren't available. You have to use the the used stuff. So, yeah, of course, and uh, the aftermarket stuff I've haven't really messed with as much. I know there's that... there's not a lot on the on the Miata world. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of aftermarket available. They have fenders. And they have uh, hoods, but the hoods are steel, and oh. the factory ones are aluminum, and nobody wants to run the steel. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that's like a particular thing that you would deal with specifically racers versus um, like, street. Yeah, yeah, the regular street street person would be like, I don't, I don't care. Like, give me the one that's gonna fit and work right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, the less expensive one most of the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah, that the, they are definitely concerned about weight. Race car guys are. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where you play, you don't really, you don't have an issue with it, mm-hmm. but you, you try to help them out anywhere you can as far as if you can use used or if you can use aftermarket or whatever you can. 
Yeah, and, so. and you probably don't want to put like two and a half pounds of extra Bondo on one side or another. <laughs> right, right. Because then they're I mean, like, they're... hey, my crossweights are off. <laughs> Especially yeah, those spec guys. I've got to put ballast on this corner now, and I don't. I didn't used to have to do that. So, yeah. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. So yeah, I, that's one of the things where I guess I got a good uh, a following as far as people wanting me to fix their race cars because mm-hmm. – after we repair a car, no matter how hard it's been hit, they typically scale out perfectly, if not better than they did before the crash. So, dude, that, that I get that a lot from all from most of my guys. So, yeah, like th- that's a real clap. Like that's that's hard work, <laughs> man. Like to do the stuff that you do because I've worked with many body shops, and again, uh, you know, for the most part, they're trying to sell to whatever their customer is, and right. Um, you know, wood screws sometimes get used and the customer's probably never going to see that. But right. like me who I've had to wet sand so many uh, cars and get in there and clean up as much as I can. And I, I, I see the little nuanced yeah. things of instead yep. of using the correct bolt versus using something that's just going to hold it in. So dude, that drives me crazy. I, I, I'm weird about that. My dad, kind of makes fun of me because i maybe i'm ocd or whatever but mm-hmm. if the bolts don't aren't the correct bolts and i i typically lose sleep over that so i've got i've got to put the right bolts back in the right spot where they came out of i imagine that somewhere in your shop there's several bins full of bolts from yes. na and then bb <laughs> that are just like hey uh i need an extra bolt yes. it's gonna be in this one right here bam like you just get all of those little bolts <laughs> So there's a local guy who buys uh, wrecked uh, Mazdas, Miatas, uh-huh. and he and he sells parts. And I just and I know him, so I run over there with a 10 millimeter on a little impact, and I just I steal bolts from his cars all the time. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and he knows I'm doing it. I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna come grab a couple bolts. And he'll usually he even have a bin of them himself. And like, here's some fender bolts, you know, because he Ooh, doesn't sell yeah. those. Yeah, so yeah, those things are great to have around, honestly. Yeah, because uh, forget the, I mean, those cars are old enough that they've been tinkered with um, that maybe when you get them, they're already missing those bolts. And... <laughs> yes. Yes. Or, or it's the right bolt, it's just the wrong color. Sometimes you that oh. even bothers me. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Nice. So, I, right. yeah. I imagine someone would probably hit it with like one of those cleaning wheels and just take the paint off to make it there. But... Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, some of them, like in on the Miatas, like that hold the little package tray area. Those okay. are gold. Those are like oh uh, yeah, yeah, that like uh, yeah, gold. The best anod- way. Anodized or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really know what kind of coating is, but if those aren't in the right spot, those bother me. Or either they're painted the interior of the color of the car. That's I can deal with that. So. Mm, okay, okay. Maybe I am a little bit OCD. No, and, and <laughs> you know, for your line of work, I think that matches or gets in line perfectly. So I think that's. Like, if I'm going to find someone to be OCD, it's like, doctor, guy who's putting my car back together. (laughs) These these are the things. Those are good good traits, right? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Guy doing my my, uh, forensic investigation for my accounting. No, I don't want the OCD. (laughs) Yeah, I want the guy who overslept and um, maybe didn't show up that day. Uh, I, I want yeah. the guy that, that is going to be the uh, uh, boys will be boys on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll let it, we'll let that one slide. Ah, that's like that not guy. that big. Yeah, I could see that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's funny that's funny so i've seen a but, lot of pictures about uh or videos of uh of yours and i noticed your shop set up and it looks like you drive in your shop is like located in a in a residential area or i mean so we're kind of in the woods so it's off of gravel road so we're not really like I mean, there are houses close. Our neighbors are mm-hmm. like an a- an acre away, I guess you would say. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, there's there's a house that's really close. It's my father's house. It's actually on the property. It's the same as the shop. So, oh, we, we we have an entrance, one main entrance for the house, and then a main entrance for the shop. So it's just two separate deals, but it's pretty close. It's walking distance. Dude, that's awesome that you have like you know you can you're you're able to like have your your work area so close to home it it reminds me of in my travels when i was out in japan like most um people that sell something or small business owners their home is literally on top of their shop where they sell food or uh, bikes or stuff like that it's a great way to uh minimize costs because your overhead and uh body shop i mean we were just talking about like what makes the difference between a body shop that's going to last and it's usually uh managing uh the cost because like even even though like as a customer you're paying out all this money you still have to realize that this guy is selling his time like the parts you know if you get it wrong or something's off that's gonna like hurt you in terms of your time and Little by little, that bills are still bills. They don't care whether you made a mistake or not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and with part prices and uh, like paint um, coming up in costs, like those those things don't forgive. Those are hard costs. So yeah, if you can if you can have your overhead as low as possible, mm-hmm. it makes it makes success that much easier. Honestly, so yeah, we our shop is paid for, the frame machine's paid for, the paint booth is paid for. So. <sighs> That's we, so we, we, uh, I, I don't have to take work in, but I stay so busy. I honestly, it's a good problem to have. I, I, I'm unable to work on my own toys like the GTR and stuff just because oh. I stay so busy with the, mm-hmm. with the race cars. But it's one of those things where you almost have to just make time to work yeah. on your own cars. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so obviously I, I follow your, your channel and I've seen, um, the GTR coming in. I, I completely like sympathize with, uh, with how can I explain this? So like to normal people, they say, Hey, you want X, just go buy X. Right. Like for me, especially when I first started out, like all of my cars were salvaged. I never right. had a clean title car because, right. and, and I never bought a brand new car because I'm like, dude, like, why am I going to spend so much money where I know these, the cars that I want are good and they're not going to break down just right. because they hit like a certain mileage. Right. So I, I, I think what I'm trying to say is like, maybe I'm inferring a little things, but people with like yours and my mindset where we're like, Oh, you know what? Something that's got like 40, 50, 60,000 miles, that's still like a good usable uh, car. If it's got this kind of damage, I, I can fix that. That's not a big issue to me. So, right. no, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. Now, like, even with the salvaged vehicle front, it don't it doesn't matter to me how hard the car was hit. If it was repaired correctly, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of it. I'll drive the wheels off of it. So, 
it's just one of those things where it doesn't bother me just because I know if I know the car was repaired correctly and mm-hmm. nine out of 10 times, if I'm driving a salvage vehicle, I've, I've repaired it. So mm-hmm. I, I know that it's, it's done right now. There's nothing wrong with buying a brand new car. If you can, if you can swing that. Yeah. I mean, but if, uh, if I could save a little bit of money <laughs> and, uh, you know, drive around on the GTR for, you know, half the money or even three quarters the money, I'm, that's where I got to go. Cause I don't have that kind of money to be honest with you. Yeah, same same with me. It's like um, the amount of uh, money that we would be putting in, we're going to be like, let, let's be honest, we're going to more than uh, put that in in terms of sweat equity into the vehicle. Yes. Because, yep. you, you know, like parts are still parts. And if you save money, guessing from what I've seen on the GTR, uh, we're going to spend it on those parts because I, I saw those wheels that you got on that GTR. Those things look so dope. <laughs> yes, that's that. That's my downfall to this whole GTR build is, <laughs> is, is, you know, I had a plan in my head that I would be in it for X amount of dollars. And, and I was and I actually pitched that to my wife and she was <laughs> she was on board. And then uh, these deals came across where, you know, I'm getting the wheels at half what they normally cost. And mm-hmm. It's just it's mm-hmm. just hard to pass that kind of those deals up. But even with the turbo kit was a very good deal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things where you buy the turbo kit, then you have to build the internals of the engine to hold mm-hmm. up to the mm-hmm. turbo kit. And it's just a downward spiral when it comes to spending oh, money at that point. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we, we both need to give a special thank you to our significant others for being so patient with uh, <laughs> yes, the yes, cost yes. in there. I know that I got lucky in that my significant other also like likes to drive so we share our our race car that's cool Uh, yeah that's very cool so like it makes it a lot easier when i'm talking about like oh i need to get new tires because she's like hey man like the car is kind of pushing a little bit more and i'm like yeah we're on used tires she's like all right when are we getting new ones yeah so have you ordered the new ones yet (laughs) right that's that's awesome that's awesome man yeah and i mean my, my wife is not quite that she's not bad she's she she really uh she understands and she's on board with whatever I, I want to do. Mm-hmm. But when I start pitching the numbers for the built motor and the Woo. the bigger turbo kit and the, the Shep's transmission and all this stuff, she's like, wait a minute. That's not what we discussed initially. <laughs> so, so it's just going to be a slow process, I think, on that refront. So, mm-hmm. But she's she's really cool. She's she's actually really supportive of anything I want to do. So. Yeah, and that and that's awesome. I I mean, like, I I can't lie and say that when I first saw the the R thirty five when it first came out here, I mean that that was such a bitchin' car. And just to see Godzilla from like when I studied abroad um, in Japan to seeing it finally in the U S. and having our own model that we could drive out here and how good it was. Right. I mean, that that is definitely a car that I I still hope that one day I could uh, get behind the wheel of and drive. Man, to me it's it's an awesome platform, especially if you want to go fast. Mm-hmm. It it has the capabilities being all wheel drive and <clears throat> you just you ha- if you have the money to put behind it, you could have it as fast as you really want it to be, honestly, and be a, and still be a super treatable car. You could get in it and go to the grocery store mm-hmm. or whatever you want to do as long as you keep your foot out of it. Yeah. So it drives like a normal car. Yeah, no, my buddy uh worked for Cobb as one of their main engine builders and oh, he cool. worked on several GTR builds for them in their Huntington Beach office. 
And he he got pretty proficient with that. And he's like, yeah, like a 600-wheel uh, horsepower GTR is not, like, a crazy thing to ask yeah. out of that car. And it's that's, just, that's... like, it's wild to think 600 all-wheel drive horsepower is not a wild number. I'm just like, wow, yeah. that's nuts. That's really attainable. Honestly, it would stock internals. You can get that with just full bolt-on stuff. So mm-hmm. it's it's a great platform for making horsepower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I rode in a friend of mine's car that he's never dynoed it, but they guesstimated it to be somewhere between like 1700, 1800 horsepower. Woo! <laughs> and dude, it was the fastest thing I've ever sat in, in the street. <laughs> it, it, it's, it makes the fat rolls on your face roll back. When it, when it clicks in the fourth gear and then you just, everything's happening so fast you're like wait a minute if something goes wrong this is gonna be bad so <laughs> that's where you're like oh thank god this isn't a 90s car because uh, <laughs> yeah. is actually good <laughs> yes yes so oh man it's, uh, it's addictive though you're going that fast i it, it, i should have never rode in his car because oh, now i want yeah now i want that so yeah definitely i'll have to build up to that slowly though but see that, and I guess that's why you wanted to go with the all-wheel drive one, uh, a vehicle like that, because you're in the gravel roads. So for safety, you know, these are all things right. you could tell your wife. It's like it's going to be a safe car because right. yeah. it, it it won't lose control so easily out on the gravel road going back and forth uh, on the shop or when it uh, rains or whatever. It, it's a right, safe right. vehicle. <laughs> Yes, for sure, for sure. This is a family car. It's got a back seat and everything. Hey, yeah, they there's a back seat in there for a reason. I mean, Miatas aren't a family car. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Oh you man, should, it's a it's a it's it's like I said, it's a great platform, and that's honestly the GTR is the reason I started the YouTube channel. To be mm. honest with you, I I wanted a GTR, and I looked at so you're buying a new one and that's yeah that's yeah. way out of my price range and then i looked at well we'll buy a used one and they're still out of expensive the pr- yeah 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 still out of the price range so i'm like well I'll, maybe i'll check in buying a totaled one or a salvage mm-hmm. one and, uh, and and repairing it myself and then i went to youtube and looked it up and there's a lot of people that were doing that mm-hmm. on youtube channels and they were having fairly good success at it so you mm-hmm. know i said i wonder if people would like to watch me repair race cars <laughs> of course yeah, so I started doing it, and you know it's it's been fun. I, I don't get to put out as many videos as I would like. As far as mm-hmm. I tr- I try to stick to a schedule once a week, but that's mm-hmm. when it gets super busy. That's tough. It and is. there 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 are some cars that uh, the customers don't really care to have their car on the internet. Yeah, so I don't. I'm not allowed to make videos of certain cars, but and that's for to the be most understood. Part, yeah, yeah. For the most part, everybody's pretty open about it so yeah so obviously being your own boss um at the beginning um and this is one of the things that i shied away with uh with uh kind of like doing what my dad was doing in terms of work it's kind of a lot of stress and branching out on yourself especially when obviously now you say your frame machine is paid for your uh, paint booth is paid for and the shop is paid for essentially. So your right. your overhead in terms of like monthly drainage is kind of minimal. Minimal. Yep. But right. when you first started out, I mean, like, dude, the 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 stress and um, again, uh, I I respect a lot of small business people for that because 
that kind of stress of like you have to succeed because you are the person that at the end of the day is going to be at fault. Yeah. Well, it all falls on your shoulders. So yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's make it or break it time. Honestly, you, you could, you either sink or swim and I guess I'm good at swimming because I haven't <laughs> sank yet. So it's one of those things, like you said, it, it is a lot of stress, but I, I think I do. I think I do okay with stress. I think I manage it. At least I don't wear it on my shoulder. My wife's like, you never seem stressed about anything. I'm like, well, I'm just over here grinding my teeth. I'm not really saying anything. <laughs> so, so what do you do? Because I, I mean, I'll be honest. There are times where I try to, you know, I'm a big believer in positive vibes. If you put a lot of positive energy out, sometimes that will trickle back in and uh, hopefully a lot less uh, negative things uh, fall into your lap. But right. there, there are times when I felt like overwhelmed on projects. And I'm sure, obviously, where you are now to where you were when you first started, um, there must have been situations where you felt completely overwhelmed. And what did you do to like kind of get over those? I mean, I still do to this day that once, okay. you know, when I had two, I had these two cars drop off Thursday and the timeline is going to be super stressful. And one of the cars is borderline. We might not be able to repair it. Um, and I'm still waiting on parts and we're still trying to get, you know, is this, there's a lot of factors that go mm-hmm. in to whether this car is going to make it or not. That stresses me mm-hmm. now. I guess the way I cope with it, my coping mechanism is, just you know one step at a time pick pick a task and do it and then move on to the next task and then just keep moving forward as long as you're moving forward everything kind of just melts away so i guess that's my i guess that's my trick i don't know i i do know that i don't really meditate or anything like that but Mm -hmm. i i i just kind of like try to be a duck right Mm. what what so where water on a duck's back just kind of rolls off, mm-hmm. just kind of try to let stuff go. Maybe, maybe that's what I do. I think it's a combination of all of it, to be honest with you, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, I've, I've obviously gotten better now that, cause I, like you, um, my dream was to race in Honda challenge. And, uh, one of the things was like, well, I'm not going to be able to buy an outright race car, but I've, been nice enough to a lot of people who know how to do things that hopefully I can go in there and uh, have them help me out with certain things. And um, I definitely agree that focusing on like small tasks, like where, where it was like with me doing my um, steering rack, where it's like, all right, these two bolts are possibly stripped. So let's just do one at a time, rethread the, uh, the, the bolt holes for the um rack and just focus on doing one and two and three and then hopefully by the end of it it will uh align itself so right right yeah because if you think about everything you're like oh crap i'm not gonna be able to get this car done i get overwhelmed yeah Yeah. it's it's suffocating almost uh, yeah i I get like when i have like i have let's see i have one two three four five i have Six cars in my shop, not including my GTR. Woo! That's... And they all need they all need to go. So and it's just you and your dad, right? Or who? It's it's me and my dad and my brother. Okay. So, but still, that's a lot of work. That's yeah, a lot of work. I'm, it is, and you know, one of the cars is the is the insurance job. So I'm kind of I'm on the back burner, just waiting on them. Yeah. And 
and the other cars and waiting on parts. It, it's just, it's a lot of uh, triage, you know, who has to be at the race first. We got to do that one first. So if you, if I think about the, the whole broad picture, I get overwhelmed. Yeah. But if I just pick one car, one task on that car and, and just move forward on it and just keep moving forward. I think that's, that's what helps me cope the best, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's definitely a, a way of, uh, taking a large t- task and breaking it down into the segments and, um, trying to knock those segments off, of back to back that really, really like helps out because once you've gotten 10 of those things back or done, you can look back yep. and and go. Okay, I, I, I'm I'm not stuck. I'm I'm actually moving forward, not as fast as I would like, but right, I am right. moving forward. So yeah, just just yep. That, I mean, and that's it. Just put your head down and keep moving forward, and and hopefully when you come up for air, everything's finished. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's I guess that's how I cope with it. That and uh, I like chocolate. <laughs> so. So you heard it here, guys. If you if you go to uh, Rebuilt Rex and uh, need to get a need to get right. a card there, uh, make sure you bring some C's candies, a good assortment. And, yes. uh, yeah. So what what is your favorite chocolate bar that like you can find like at the local gas station? Because for me, it's the uh, cookies and cream from Hershey's. What's yours? I gotta say, it's probably just a Twix. I love Ooh, I like Twix. Nice. So yeah. It's uh, just a plain right or left. It doesn't matter. I'll take the <laughs> You're not going to uh, give uh, give any um, support to anyone on those uh, uh, on that controversy. No, <laughs> no, no. They're, they're all uh, they're all good to me. So. Awesome. What, what about ice cream? Because I'm a big mint chip uh, guy. I like that one. Orange. Uh, so, what is it? Um, Oreo crunch one. Yeah. Right. 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 So my favorite used to be um, Ben and Jerry's uh, chocolate fudge brownie. Ooh, that's a good. It's one. like that one's It's good so one. it's so much chocolate that it's almost overkill. Um, yeah. I've, I've actually I've recently I've been eating a lot of the uh, I think it's Hagen Dazs and it's uh, coconut and pineapple and I don't know why but I've just been huh. that's what I that's what I've been eating lately and I don't know if you've noticed in my channel I'm probably. I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 pounds heavier than when I first started my channel. So. It's all the camera, man. It's all the camera. It's, yes, that's what it is. The camera adds 10 or 20, 20 pounds, pounds right? every oh. video. <laughs> oh, so. man. Oh, that's funny. That That's a good one. Right. Yeah, so uh, so since you're so close to, to home, obviously your commute isn't that bad. Um, well, I actually live... I live about 45 minutes. Well, sorry, about 30 minutes away. Oh, my father, my father oh, lives at the house. Okay. On the okay. That, okay. So I do have a little bit of a commute. It's not bad. Okay. That's not bad. That's like a normal, that's a short commute here in uh, LA. So right. yeah. Uh, 30 minutes is a pretty uh, short commute. So right it, in your area or really have you gone out to uh, racetracks and driven? Because that part, I, I haven't actually seen any. <laughs> I have never driven a what? road race car. Never. What? Ever. And you know what? It's Okay, so uh, I have a lot of race teams that mm-hmm. that have nicer, uh, you know, more expensive. I guess not, not necessarily nicer, but more expensive. Porsche GT3 Cups, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. 
and they're like, you need to come out to the track on the weekend. Mm-hmm. We'll put you in, we'll put you in a car and let you make some laps. And I, I think you'll have fun. And I think that's the problem. I think I would have way too much fun. <laughs> so and you're kind of scared yeah. to dip your toe because you're going to go uh, uh, more I than, will. more than ankles yes. deep. Yes. Yes. And I, and, it seems like it would be a black, and no matter what you drove, whether it be mm-hmm. a Civic, a, a, a Miata, a Porsche, whatever you want to drive. I think it would be I think you get that sensation of speed and I think it would be awesome and I would fall in love and I would just throw money at it. And I know how much time it takes and I know how much it costs to repair them. So mm-hmm. I don't uh, I, I, I kind of steer clear of it, to be honest with you, just because uh- I'm scared. Yeah, you know what that that takes a certain level of uh, control because you know what it would be. I I, I think though, with um with the explanation of the GTR, just because it it seems to be like a dream build for you, once you get it going, you should take it out to, and and I don't know if it, by that time uh, NASA still does this. But I was yep. talking to uh, one of the guys from the Mid-Atlantic re- region, which I think encompasses the area where you're at. They have this thing where you do, like, I think it's called, like, a hyperdrive. You pay 50 bucks, and you go oh, out yeah. for one session out That's on cool. the race car, uh, out on the racetrack. And, right. I mean, in terms of, like, um, barriers of entry, they have it there, and with NASA, they actually have like spec racing going on, so they have the crews and all, all the safety there uh, needed. But yeah, right. I, I think at least for the GTR, because I know that one, you're going to be a little bit more um, tentative to do like full race car stuff uh, to that one, because I know it's going right. to be a baby uh, kind of car. Um, right. I, I think that was, one should it's... be should be the one you take. I think it would be cool. I, I, and that would definitely make some awesome footage and cool video to, to do that as well. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something I would, uh, would entertain doing, you know, and it's like you said, it's still a street car. So I'm not, I'm not diving into the race car world. Oh yeah. And I, I'm, and I mean, that car's expensive enough that you're like, uh, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to put a full cage in this. This is nice. <laughs> yes. I, I did all the paint on this one. I took right. out all that weird, uh, sound deadening on it. I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> redo any of this right and i'm not gonna stick it in a corner too fast hopefully no i i think when especially like i think it's something that uh when people who build the cars are there they're usually hold back a little bit because they know um like oh i did the brakes like let's give it a little double check before we go (laughs) fully committed on there just just in case i didn't torque that one bolt to the spec um right. so yeah and, and they give you an instructor for that one um to write uh passenger seat so if that's oh, something cool. yeah because um like with nasa here in in socal um that that's what i do i write uh with students and give them feedback and uh, i definitely see the difference between um their first day in the morning to that first day in the afternoon like how much more comfortable they are and they feel like you know more that's cool yeah so how much of you think that that translates over to street driving um i think safety wise i think translates a lot because really for first thing like i noticed was and this is something that i work with my students is i tell them 
Like, let's look at the way you sit in the car. And that already is going to change the way that you're going to drive uh, around. Right. And, yeah. like, uh, this is probably something you would be uh, very um, uh, kind of, like, sensitive to is... Aware of. Right. Yeah, aware of. You know when you have a multiple turn lane and usually the guy that takes the inside lane will always like drift out to the outside lane so you give them that little extra room because you're like, oh, this guy's going right. to go wide. Like, right. And in right. their mind, they're like, oh, I'm just making the turn. They they don't yeah. know that they're wide right. already. Right. Um, right. So I feel like with that, I'm also much more aware of the cars behind me because I feel like when I'm out in traffic, and obviously I'm in LA, so we have the force. Um, I was going to say a lot of traffic. Yeah, so I have my mirrors um, pointed out to the point where I just can't see the rear end of my car. So That's I'm me. constantly, yeah, yeah. So I'm constantly looking at cars that are coming up, and if I see someone like speeding up, I'll just merge out of the way and let them pass. Whereas right, before right. I wasn't really looking that much behind me, so. I'm very cognizant when I'm in the when I'm on the freeway of the cars around me, like a little yep. bubble, and their right. pace. If somebody's going a lot faster than me, I'm just moving out of the way so that I can get them out of the potential. Like, the, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it makes you much more of a better defensive driver. It sounds like. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it, it feels like I just want whatever, like. If somebody's in a hurry, let them be in a hurry. Uh, let the police officer handle that. Right. Like, but that's yeah. That's yeah. between them and their law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to get to my point. Let them do what they're gonna do, and then be prepared in case they make a mistake, to be able right. to react to it and give myself enough room from the car in front of me. I I think those things help me out a lot, like hand position, so I'm not driving knuckles up. Uh, right. <laughs> at 12 o'clock. Like, right. Yeah. So actually I have a question for you or do you have any questions for me uh, about like stuff in California? Cause I know that when I've talked to people from, uh, from other States, they have like certain perceptions of like, uh, stuff in California for how strict or not strict it is. And usually they're kind of surprised with, uh, the answers that I give them with. Um, so Mike, as far as on the automobile front, the only question I would have for you about, uh, California is, are they super strict about, uh, aftermarket stuff on the cars, like exhaust and upgraded turbos and all that stuff? Are they, can you get ticketed for that stuff? Oh, for sure. You can get ticketed with anything that's, um, messing with the emission system. So really, this is, uh, something that like most people, um kind of don't have like perceptions of but right. in in California from obviously if you give a police officer an opportunity to find something wrong with your car that they can give you a ticket right. they they have every opportunity to do that but for the most part if your car passes or uh carb or smog legal thing or whatever um, right. They kind of don't care about everything else as long as you don't have a stupid loud exhaust. Right. Um, so if you give them a reason, they can <clears throat> find anything. But if you just kind of <clears throat> fly low under the radar, yeah, and uh, you, you're pretty safe. Is yeah. So like, what was it? One of the guys from uh, Texas was telling me like 
oh, so it's like really uh, tough in California for your safety inspection. And I'm like, what safety inspection? Like we could be <laughs> driving on bald tires, like two millimeters on the brake pads and like leaking everything. But that smog better come out clean. <laughs> <laughs> right. You could have all the dented panels you want like that. That's fine. Like they don't care about that. Like I drove my race car to the track and right. had my carb legal headers, carb legal intake. Like my car passed smog um, while it was a race car. Now it's. I've changed some things out. I'm not running a cat. It, it actually even had a catalytic converter, a oh, California wow. cat. So mine, for the for a little while, I I could say that I had uh, the fastest carb legal on the challenge car. That's cool. Even though I was That's the a... slowest. <laughs> <laughs> so this car out there, but you're the fastest carb legal car. There we go. Yeah. There you go. So, Perception so, yeah. is everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, if you uh, categorize yourself in a small enough category, you'll always be <laughs> yes. uh, first place. <laughs> yes, there's a there's a couple of race car drivers that that, that uh, they do well every weekend. I'm like, man, he's either got a small class or he is really that fast. But come to find out, there's only like five people in his class, so he, yeah, he he gets on the podium every weekend. So I yeah. I think that he might have the answers. That might be what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. I I'm, I could reclass my car into a higher class where no one's there, and I just get my partici- participation right. trophy. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. Um, in, in terms of California car culture, obviously anything before 1970s, like it's as long as I think it has turn signals and headlights, like you could run whatever you want, like. People... That's cool. That's that sounds pretty similar to what it, the way it is here. To be honest with you, do you guys have, we have safety inspections or stuff like that? We have to have uh, a smog inspection. We have to have a the uh, your sticker to get your sticker every year uh-huh. it, it, after a car is a certain. Uh, I think it's two or three years old. You have oh, to really? go get your uh, yeah. You have to go get your emissions test, and they check your emissions. They they do a visual on your cats, and mm-hmm. then they put a they put a probe in the tailpipe, and they plug into your OBD. You mm-hmm. can't have any lights on. So yeah, it's, very, it's very similar. It sounds like now where Georgia, you can, you can skate that stuff. Kind of, you can go to, you can be registered in another County that doesn't have uh, it. Yeah. See, so like it's California. It's I like, think, it doesn't matter what County you're in. You're, you're, you're right. getting smog, but it's the whole state. Right. Yeah. But the interesting thing is like, like you were saying, um, uh, so with us, it's only after five years from when the car is new do you have to do smog. And it, it, may, it may be five here. I just don't, I've never bought a new car. Again, so yeah, same that. here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about other people's problems right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 for um, sure. But it's every two years um, we have to do a smog test. And right. for OBD2 and newer cars, we they just visually check that there's a cat and no lights on, and they plug the OBD two scanner on there, and that's it. They don't really right. uh, probe the exhaust anymore. It's only a pre like two thousands car, so like my EG, if I wanted to re register it onto the street, well, actually, it's still currently registered for street use. Um, right. Yeah, and how how bad is it uh, for registration for you guys over there? As far as 
how money or yeah like how how much do you guys charge for because like for my uh 2009 civic i'm paying like about 170 every year i don't think it's that much here i mean to, mm. to just just to get the emissions test is 25 bucks and then okay it's like it, 50 it, for it, us yeah and then above that when you get it registered it's uh so Georgia's different in the respect mm-hmm. you don't pay any ad valorem tax anymore. Okay. And you pay it you pay it all up front, which is if you go through cars a lot, it's tough because you pay you're paying a bunch of in taxes. Oof. Whereas like it used to be you your ad valorem tax was was added up every time you got a tag and it was just a small increment. So they don't add that anymore, but you pay like I think twenty five bucks for the the licensing fee and all that stuff. So, so it's it's not it's not bad. So when you say Aberlon tax, what is that? Because I'm I'm I, I don't know what that is. So like when you buy a new car in Georgia, uh huh, you there's an ad valorem tax that they that the state adds to it, and I don't know the percentage, maybe seven percent or something. Ooh. Whereas whereas before, they it was small percentages over the life of the car. So every time you got a tag you paid ad valorem tax and it was a depending on how expensive the car was depending on how much it would be but you pay that all up front now when you buy the car oh. instead of instead of doing it every time you have to get a new tag huh i don't think we have that or if it is it's probably in the initial purchase price but every time that you register it's like i think my fiance even was paying like only 200 bucks for her newer car so yeah right right yeah Huh. Yeah, every state's different, and it's uh, interesting to see how some things are a little bit more strict, and some things are probably not as strict as uh, people believe. So, yeah, right, right, right. And so, I I always wanted to come out to California. So if uh, I'm ever out that way, I'll definitely look you up. You can oh, uh, show, show me the ropes. <laughs> hit, hit me up. I'll I'll take you out to some of the things that we have over here, like mountain roads. Uh, I'm sure you guys have beautiful mountain roads but the scenic drives over here are are beautiful pch angeles crest uh highway there's like that's where jay leno almost goes every other weekend there's like a right cafe area where he'll bring like a mclaren or some steam engine car or something ridiculous (laughs) jet powered Uh, motorcycle (laughs) yeah um but Yeah. yeah uh california has this weird thing where it's like no matter what type of car culture you're into, there's like a me or something happening at any time. And I talk to a lot of racers and um, where I live specifically, I'm super spoiled. Like I I tell them my typical commute to a racetrack is usually at most an hour and 30 minutes um, to the shortest one is like under 50 minutes to get oh, wow. to a racetrack wow. so like a lot of them they have to tow like six to seven hours they're like oh wow. man i hate you <laughs> but yeah being like, being near road atlanta i'm 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 not that far from a, a major oh. track as well and even uh like uh there's amp up that's not too far from us in, mm-hmm. i think it's dawsonville okay. it's uh that's a uh it used to be a private racetrack where you okay. had to you pay a membership fee and you go right, but I think they've opened it up to the public as well. They've got go karts and stuff you can rent there. So oh, nice. There's, this is a, I don't know how good it is as far as the culture, like you said, as far mm-hmm. as the having different uh, 
groups of people at all different times. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it's probably like that here. I just I'm, I work so much to be honest with you. I don't even get out as much as I would like. Yeah, so. I'll, I'll be honest. Once I started like road racing and doing the podcast, I really don't. I become more of a hermit in terms of going out to <laughs> like non-event related. Um, uh, things right. I, I am trying because I do want to meet more people and give them like uh, an opportunity to learn more about uh, road racing. Um, right. And get like yeah, the kids I'm, out of the street from from what we're dealing with now. Right. Right. I'm supposed to be at Road Atlanta this weekend. I got invited by American Honda because we repaired a car for them recently. Oh, the TCR and, uh, Civic Type R. This oh. was yes, this is, it was a Civic Type R. Sure. Yeah. No, 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 not a not Civic Type R. This was a Civic Si. This is a Ooh. different build. Okay, okay. Yeah, because twenty twenty two. I saw that uh, Type R, the TCR car, and I was like, dude, that thing is so dope. I love that. That's yeah. like, oh man, I, I got a chance to drive one of those, uh, not a TCR really? one, but just a yep. regular Type R. Man, oh, they are super cool cars in yeah. my opinion. I love the seats on it. The seats are so nice for stock seats. Like they have the yes. good amount of side bolstering and yep. it, they're not super expensive either. I mean, they're, they're reasonable for a new car and for what they are. Oh, so here, here's another, uh, car culture difference in SoCal with those cars. And this is something that's kind of like annoying and predatory about the dealerships, but we had them like, they had this market value tax where in SoCal, dude, they, they were putting like ten, fifteen thousand dollars over MSRP for you to buy one. And it's really? just like, bro, I'm not gonna pay you fifteen grand on top just because so, oh that, is that like normal for them or is that ever since because the the market right now is funny when it comes to cars, oh, yeah. period. Yeah, no, obviously the like whole COVID uh scarcity yeah. tax ha- right. has has pretty much thrown everything for a loop. But no, this was like even before like as soon as the type R came out here, like it was already like fifteen thousand or uh really? ten thousand over. So a lot so of people like would go highest bidder thing. Yeah, and that sucks. Bidder, right? And that sucks yeah. because you know, like Honda does a good job and trying to make things uh, price for the market and they have like cars they want to compete against but right, right. yeah like I, I I don't know if that's something that you guys dealt with where they added extra like penalty tax because this is a cool car I haven't seen that no I haven't I haven't I've went to the dealership and looked at one on the showroom floor and looked at the window sticker now I never went to anyone and said hey how much can i go out the door for this car for so they may be doing it here i just don't know but oh no it was on the sticker like on the window it said market added value 10 grand like on there really yeah like they weren't blatant they were blatant about like yeah we're gonna take 10 grand from you if you want to buy this civic it's like bro crazy that and the new supras also they they were doing that so a lot of people were going out of state to do to purchase them I was going to say that it makes it makes perfect sense to drive out of state and get one and drive it back. Yeah, I mean, if you pay like a buddy like five hundred bucks to do that, right? And right. you save yourself like nine grand, like, yeah, it, it's it's perfect. Wow, wow, I, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, that now, that part kind of sucks about California that there's um, some predatory people like that. 
now they, they like I said they are doing that here and there's it, but it's all that covid thing yeah. ever since covid so yeah that that's due to the supply and that I I don't like but you know I can understand why it's like uh we don't have that much uh inventory we need to artificially inflate the price so that we can keep some inventory but at right, the same right. time They're- it's like bro you're making money like you're not Right, you're not right. like struggling, like you're you're not laying people off because oh we don't have that much. I, right. I don't know. Right. I don't know. It just feels a little bit dirty. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a fan because here's the thing: is there there are dealerships here that don't do that. So I would yeah. I would much rather go like even if you're just buying a truck or something. Yeah, there's dealerships that mark it up ten grand, and then there's ones that don't. So I, I would definitely go to the one that didn't if I were going to buy a new truck or something. Yeah, so. you need to reward good behavior. You know. Correct. Correct. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. But they, they were people like, the, you know, they had that special edition GTRs, uh, I think 22, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what it was called, but they came in two different colors and people were special ordering them mm-hmm. and, you know, putting, you know, 10 or 15,000 down to, to special order. And then before they took delivery of the car, they were selling their place in line for those cars. Oh yeah. For, a lot more money than they mm-hmm. were than the, mm-hmm. than the sticker was. Now I don't know. If, that's not really the dealership's fault necessarily. Yeah. No. That that's, that's just yeah yeah. People taking sense. advantage of certain certain cars, I guess, that are that are limited in supply. So. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's going to happen with the Corvette C06 when it comes out here. Like um, right. Um, if it's not already uh, on there again, like you, I don't, I don't even mess with new cars, so I don't know. That's a completely <laughs> right. different world for me. Right. Right. But me yeah, like it, it, it is a bummer. Um, but then again, you and me, we, we buy used or, or totaled. Or... <laughs> right. Unless YouTube starts paying me a lot more money. I, I'll have to do it the way I've always done it. So. Yeah. And uh, I mean that like, I I really try whenever I do deal with um, younger people or to try and put up a positive, uh, like, like be nice to newer people and show them like kind of the ropes of what, what it is that I'm doing in terms of like road racing or um, the car community in general. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, like I know that there's this huge push to kind of put down uh, the newer generation because it's like, oh, stick shift is an anti-millennial uh, theft device. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, right. But, like, to me, I look at that, I'm like, doesn't that just mean that whoever, like, your dad or whatever didn't teach you? Like, that just reflects more right. bad on, like, the people who have the information that aren't sharing it. It's like, right, right. why are you being a, a dick and not, like, teaching these kids how to do things right? Like. I've taught yeah, my little sister some, how to drive stick. Like, yeah, like you can do that. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know, and if they don't know, it's your fault for not teaching them. Yeah, it's like me being upset with somebody because they don't know Japanese. It's like, well, yeah, I'd never learned it. Like, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why right. would you expect me to know something I don't know? Right, right. So, because yeah, most cars nowadays, it's mm-hmm. tough to find a car that has a manual transmission. So, yeah, luckily Honda still still yep. does it. They do. Uh, Mazda yep. still does it, obviously, because without them, I mean, rebuild Rex is like ninety percent. Um, right, yeah. right. And, and Mazda so I, does do a good job with their um, building up the those um, race series, and yeah, like they they do an awesome job. 
Porsche even, I didn't know that they did this, but I have a client that just ordered a brand new uh, 22 or it might be a 21 uh, mm-hmm. GT3 streetcar. And it's a manual H pattern gearbox. Oh, wow. Which is, I didn't know. I thought they only had the PDK stuff in them. I didn't know you could get it in a manual box. Huh. So, yeah. I mean, like the Porsche and the PDK, once I've seen like how good they shift, I'm like, right. Man, it's really hard to beat because you're not going to shift faster than that thing. No. Especially no. downshifting. Yeah. If you're trying to go fast, I think the PDK is the way to go. But if you just want an experience, um, yeah. Of, of feeling part of the car to me i mm-hmm. think the manual mm-hmm. gearbox is the way to go it, yeah yeah but absolutely. if you're trying to if you're trying if you're going for lap times and setting records then the pdk is obviously yeah. the better route i i got a chance to drive uh the newer supra and man like just leaving it an automatic and just stomping on it i'm like wow this thing shifts so good this is right, so right. dumb like i i can't believe how good they made that one and yeah, it's a BMW <laughs> or whatever, but still, I, right, I, I yeah. think it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's still a very cool car. Mm-hmm. I would I would not uh, kick it out of my driveway for sure. <laughs> Although one thing that's interesting about that car, um, when you get in it with a helmet, you have to make sure you tilt your head a little bit more because it's got like a bit of a dome oh. feature to the headliner. Yeah, yeah where... the roof line where the window is is low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you sit in it, it's actually like you you fit in uh, pretty well, whereas like in a in a cor- what was it the Camaros I, I had pr- problems in being passenger seat like my head would hit the roof. It, it was actually like I don't know why, but the newer Camaros um, they feel more claustrophobic. I, I don't feel like I have enough room in them. It feels kind of tight. Really? Because it's a big car. It is. But if you look at the top, it kind of like triangles in that it's really narrow at the top compared to how wide it is at the bottom. And I'm sure that helps the center of gravity. But yeah, like my elbow was like on the, on the door card and whatnot. So yeah, those are, Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I climb in a lot of race cars and (laughs) there's, there's some that I, I don't know that I could get out. Yeah, I know there's a, if, if it were an emergency situation, I don't mm-hmm. really know what I would do, especially with a helmet and everything on. Cause I, and, of course, the person who's driving is probably smaller than me and mm-hmm. shorter than me. But it's uh, so especially these MX-5s, the oh, yeah. way the head, the head halo is and then that front mm-hmm. bar, it, mm-hmm. it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight to get out of. So, so recently I was working on my car doing a steering rack. And right. Obviously, you know very well, um, working on race cars, how uncomfortable it could be. And for me, it's even worse because I have a two-car tandem garage, so I can't yep. fully open the car out. And right. I have um, one of those seats where it's like a Halo-style one. Yep. So, and I'm also a kind of a a, a, a chunkier person. Uh, <laughs> right. So, with the, without taking the seat out and taking the bar out because it's weld, welded in for the roll cage, working underneath a, a car and disassembling something like that. Have you ever gotten in a, in a spot where you have like a mini panic attack? Cause that happened to me <sighs> while I was doing yeah. that. And I'm just like, yes. Oh, Oh my God. Oh my God. All right. Just breathe, <laughs> relax, yes. wiggle, yes. wiggle to the right. Okay. My leg is stuck in the hoop now. Okay breathe you're good you're good <laughs> tell me about so, that time 
so that there was actually this happened a couple times. So w- whenever I take the uh, the brake booster out of a car, oh I'm, boy, if we're replacing a front rail, I have to in a caged car you have to climb in from the top, and your feet, your head is down there where the pedals are. And if yeah. the seat's in the car, your feet are sticking almost out the top of the car. Yeah. And the, you, your body weight is pushing you further and further into the floorboard. Mm-hmm, and you're, mm-hmm. try, you're trying to work with your hands, and you get your arms pinched between two pedals, and you can't move. You, I get that little panic attack there where I am just uh, have to just stop, take a deep breath, and just kind of focus on my breathing, and then I can wiggle my way out. Because it's uh, it, I get pretty claustrophobic when I start doing stuff like that. Oh my God. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. And that's a unique thing of like working on race cars because they are really uncomfortable. Um, yes. Especially I MX-5s. I mean, you think about it. Anybody who's like pretty tall will have like a nightmare scenario with that. Right. Yes. Chris, the contortionist is what I <sighs> would have to be to, to get in some of those positions. So, oh man. It, like you said, I'm not really a skinny guy, so it's uh, it's one of those things where you just kind of have to stop, you know, train your mind to focus on your breathing, and just kind of wiggle your way back out where you can move because it's it's pretty claustrophobic. No, de- definitely that that is that is definitely a, a something that I became uniquely aware of because disconnecting the U joint, and I'm sure you you. Uh, I'm guessing like the Miatas are similar where they have like a U joint that connects the steering uh, rod to the uh, actual right. rack and pinion. But right. man, like getting that thing uh, settled in and uh, lining up the splines, whoo, that, that is a nightmare. <laughs> yes, yes, it is for sure. So, what is, what is the future for hold for you? Like, um, obviously, the, the GTR pro- project is a uh, is a long running uh, thing, but what what is the future holding for Rebuilt Rex, and what what is it that you want to accomplish? Uh, let's see. In a perfect world, I would love to be doing the YouTube stuff more frequently and mm-hmm. more more as a uh, a major income source. As far as I could slowly start working on my own stuff my GTR. Mm-hmm. I've got several, several projects that I really just sit on the back burner. And mm-hmm. I, I guess in a perfect world, I would make enough money on YouTube to where I could work on my own cars and still do the race cars because mm-hmm. I, in this world that I've created with the race car world, it seems uh, they don't take no for an answer. You, you can tell them that I'm two months out before I can take the car in. They're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll bring you the car and, and some parts in two months. So it's it's one of those things where you stay busy all the time with race cars as you want to be. So Yeah, because I mean, I, the race cars crashing is kind of a, a natural thing that's going to happen. Correct. And it's, yeah, it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I can, I would like to be able to maybe slow down on the race cars a little bit. That, that way I could work a little more on the huge, the, my own personal projects. Mm-hmm. I guess that that would be, I don't know if that's a long-term goal, but it's uh no, it definitely guess, seems like it because I mean, to get to that point where you can subsidize your income like that, I mean, it, it is a, it is a big undertaking. So yeah, I think that's a fair goal. Right. Right. And YouTube is definitely a long game. Yeah. From what definitely. I've seen so far. Yeah. 
and and dude like you know i i had a conversation with uh one of the guys from uh that makes honda parts in australia and he gave me a bit of a of advice saying that you know just keep being yourself and being authentic because like some of the people who are on youtube so they have to put up a front and that's one of the things that gravitated me to want to have you on the podcast was just hearing the way that you talk and having the older generation, your dad, uh, giving those helpful hints of wisdom. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I I felt a kinship there because, you know, like my dad has a lot of those similar sayings, you know, that's cool. That's really cool. We came up as an immigrant, uh, uh, I guess, an immigrant work, um, mentality and, uh, work. Um, ah, what's the word that I'm trying to say? Uh, well, we, it, it was instilled to me when I was uh, very little that it doesn't matter what you're doing, like make sure you're doing the best that you can at whatever it is, it, whether it's yeah. sweeping the floor or whatever, because that's the impression you're leaving on other people. And right. At least it's a good what, work. Yeah. Good work ethic basically is what you're saying. So. Yeah. And from what Just, I've seen from you, I'm very impressed with what you do, and I, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much, man. I, I, I didn't know if it would translate into the videos and if it would come off as 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 me being me or if it would come off as me trying to put on a persona. But I, I really it – is, it's honestly just me. I, I have some close friends that say, you know, you're a little more upbeat on your videos more than you are <laughs> in real life. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess that goes back to is – if I'm in a bad mood, I'm not really going to film. Mm-hmm. So it, I, all my filming's done when I'm in a, a pretty good mood. So that's good. But I mean, it, it also helps out with like trying to translate this information to like people who are interested in it. And, you know, it's going to be right. a lot easier to reach out to you about like, Hey, I, I hit my car at the track. It's not like a full race car, but it's a Miata, and I I see that you know it, so they're they're gonna reach out to you a lot better than you know the guy who's uh you know what is it that old show the Orange uh, County Choppers where the guy's like right. throwing stuff around you like ah, I'm probably not gonna go and talk to him about my bike I don't want to get stuff right. thrown at me <laughs> yeah for sure although I think that kind of stuff sells when it comes to videos oh Maybe of course should, should oh, throw of course. some stuff at each other or something <laughs> yeah people will watch that but people don't want to go to you to live with their problems I'd much rather reach out to you than the Orange County guy for right. for body shop. This oh. guy's gonna bite my head off, right? <laughs> so before we go, um, obviously you're in the body uh, shop industry, and you've seen products come in and out. Some that are good, some that are bad. Is there any product that you've seen that's kind of like a big trend where you're just like, man, that really does not work that way? Like those glue gun uh, pull- dent pullers, or? Like some of those things, or, or what's your experience? What's uh, things that so, you've seen? I've seen the glue stuff work pretty well when it comes to like the PDR guys. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if they're using the same type of technology that you can buy at like a Walmart or whatever, mm-hmm. but they they do have little glue guns where they can uh, glue little tabs on and pull it out with a little slide hammer, and it works fairly well. Um, mm-hmm. As far as that goes, uh, in my world, let's see. Something that doesn't work as well as I that you would think. I can't really think of anything that's that doesn't work like it should. 
Mm. Um, I can tell you there's some things that I would love to have that I'm interested in. I would like to have is like spot welding technology. Oh yeah, I've seen those where it's like you you spot weld like a little piece of uh, like a long penciled uh, thing, and and you do, use right. a slide hammer and that pulls the dent out without having yes, to the, drill and screw uh, method. Yep, those things are now we kind of we have an old school technology design and that we have where we weld a little slag onto mm-hmm. a slide hammer and we my dad does that but yeah that dent pulling thing definitely is uh, something that i would probably spend some money on that and even the spot welding where you were welding panels back on oh okay to, to, to look like factory that stuff is is amazing to me it's super expensive yeah the like but, giant c-clamp looking welder yes. thing. yeah Yes, because that I mean, you can weld that uh, quarter panel or whatever on with that, and it looks like a factory weld. And, and I imagine that short of like figuring out how to um, like set it up, um, it might be a little bit quicker. Obviously, you're quicker now with uh, the welder than you would be with that thing. But once you figure out like how to yeah, set it, yeah, the, the the cleanup process would be non-existent mm-hmm. with that because you wouldn't have to clean up your welds or exactly. smooth or anything. It would just be welded and you're done. And yeah. ready ready for paint. So, well, if there's a manufacturer out there listening that does that, hit up Rebuild <laughs> yeah. Rex, and he'll do product reviews for, for yes. it. And uh, yeah, Look get, get him go. Would, yes, for sure. <laughs> that would be awesome, Vic. That would definitely be awesome. Um, I can't thank you enough. Um, I really enjoyed having this conversation with you, and you are as uh, you sell yourself on uh, YouTube. Um, you know, <laughs> cool, like. Um, I, I knew from, um, first talking to you and, and seeing the things that you like to post up, um, that I, I would get along with you. So if you're ever in California or if I ever head down to, uh, Georgia, which I really do want to go out to the East coast, um, right. I'll, I'll definitely keep in touch and, uh, yeah, like dude, this was a, an awesome conversation and I'm very happy to have you on here. Well, cool, man. It was a very good experience for me. I've never done a podcast before, so this has actually been a really <laughs> cool thing for me. So, yeah, I uh, I appreciate you having me on, and um, yeah, you got my number. So, anytime you need anything, give me a call. Thank you. And if you're in that Mid Atlantic area and you have a Miata, it would be criminal to go to any <laughs> other body shop than Rex. Right, right, yeah. for sure. All right, and, and you can and you can definitely you can. Uh, you can look me up. Uh, well, my email address is rebuildrex at gmail.com if anybody mm-hmm. has any questions. So Yeah. And, of course, you respond pretty quickly on Instagram. And, of course, do. don't don't uh, forget to like and subscribe his YouTube channel. Yes. Yeah. Comment, like, subscribe, share, all of that good stuff. It definitely helps the channel out. All right. And with that, guys, uh, that's it. Any last words? Uh, any uh, ODB uh, words of wisdom that you want to give? <laughs> I don't. That's. A, I don't want to take his job. I'd have to get him out here to do that. So. All yeah, right. I don't. I don't. I don't have any off the top of my head. But yeah, if, uh, like you said, just. Uh, I really do appreciate you having me on, and it's been a. It's been a really cool experience. Oh well, thank you, likewise, sir. And with that, guys, I'll see you guys next Monday. Thank you. Mm-hmm.